Well, everybody, welcome to South Beach Church. My name is Luke Frechette, and I'm one of the pastors here, but I'm not here at South Beach Church, as you guys know. I'm at my house with my dog, my beagle, Kaya, and I'm here preaching once again God's word to you and really to me on week eight of coronavirus, church at home, church online, church in the virtual world. And I wanna welcome you guys to our Sunday morning service. Maybe it's nine o'clock, maybe it's 11 o'clock, maybe it's six o'clock, maybe it's four in the morning. I'm not sure. As a matter of fact, today I was at the church earlier outside. We were doing our drive-through prayer. Today's Thursday, it's Thursday afternoon. I'm filming this. And as I was at the church on Thursday, one of my really good friends, drove through the parking lot. His name's Kenny. And when Kenny came through, he told me that he doesn't have a computer and doesn't have a smartphone and doesn't have a Roku device and he doesn't know how to access our services. And so I told him, I said, our services are broadcast on 98.7 here in Newport FM on Fridays at 10.30. And so that's how he's partaking in our services during Corona and all of this sheltering in place, but you're probably online watching on YouTube or Facebook or on our brand new website. Hopefully you guys are seeing that and checking that out, regardless of what's going on in your life. I'm so glad you're here right now at this moment, whether it's, like I said, on Sunday morning or some other time, rebroadcast, maybe a few years from now even. And here's the point, here's the objective, here's the hope, is that we as people, would put our eyes upwards upon our maker and our creator, our God and our father, upon our savior and our friend, Jesus Christ. Bless you. And the way we're gonna do that together is by getting into God's word. And so hopefully you have your Bible with you and I'm not gonna take too much time. We're gonna get into a time of worship. Once again, Pastor Ryan and his wife, and I think I, can't, I haven't seen yet, and Tiffany and some others are gonna be leading us in worship once again. And man, if you haven't reached out to Pastor Ryan and in our tech team and really the rest of the pastors and, and encourage them. Tell them how, how thankful you are to God for them and you're praying for them. As a matter of fact, at Drive Through Prayer today, another really good friend of mine, Dan, he drove through and he said, Luke, I'm praying for you every single day. And I thought, man, that's so cool. I need that prayer every single day. And, and here I am, I'm, 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 the, I'm the pastor, you know, and I'm praying for y'all and yet, He's praying for me and the leadership team. And I know you guys are doing that. Raise your hand if you'd like to be prayed for. My hand is up. My beagle doesn't have hands. But we love to be prayed for. Listen, I want you to be asking God, God, who do you want me to pray for? Who do you want me to pray for during this time? As a matter of fact, right now, we're being shook to the core. So much so as a nation, as a country, really as a globe, God who made us has so much intended for us, to not just be consumers, but to be contributors. You see, by vocation, I am a pastor. I lead, I teach, I pray, I preach, I reach out to and serve others. It's part of my job description. It's written right here. But Jesus looked at the lot, the group, and he said, as I have been sent, so now I send you. Not just pastors, not just teachers, not just a few, I send you, you. And so guys, gals, young, old, married, single, I want you guys to consider what does the Lord have for you? To not just be a consumer, but a contributor. To, to start praying for people, to start leading, start sharing. Right now the church can't meet physically in one area, 
But that's not the identity or the definition of the church, a bunch of people meeting together. The church is the body of Christ, the hands and feet, and we're all over the place. Right now, your neighbors, start there. Pray for them. Pray for them and ask God to give you divine interruptions and opportunities to minister to them, to love them, to care for them. Wouldn't it be awesome? I, I wish I had enough of me, and I don't. Enough of me, and it's illegal right now with the restrictions. I wish I had enough of me to go to every single neighborhood and where you live and come minister to your neighbors for you. You could sit on your porch and drink your iced tea and I'll go over there and bless them. <laughs> it's not gonna happen though because I don't have enough of me. But what if you did? What if you decided to bless the people next to you right now? How many of you guys have somebody living next to you? Raise your hand. <laughs> Raise your hand, it's funny. You have somebody living next to you. Honestly, today, even right now, repent of your selfishness, your sinfulness, whatever it is that you have that's inhibiting you from loving on them and commit to loving on them, to be in the church. I guarantee you, when we come through this coronavirus restriction thing, you're not gonna regret praying for your neighbors, loving on them. Jesus said the greatest commandment of all is to love God and to love your neighbor. So do that and God's gonna bless you all. Hey, be that as it may, I'm gonna go through a few announcements before we get into our time of worship. And my whole point of all that was to let our worship team know and other people know on staff, just let them know you're praying for them. Let them know you're loving on them too. We meet as a staff on Tuesdays on Zoom and we pray for everyone that we can think of and, and all the rest. But I wanna remind you of all the things going on at South Beach Church that you can still participate on virtually. Uh, Celebrate Recovery meets on Tuesdays on Zoom. You can go on our Facebook page or our website, or you can get a hold of Adam Durkin and get the login member ID for that particular uh, Zoom session for men and women. That's Tuesdays. Check that out. Also, our day, uh, should I say, drive through prayer happens on Thursdays, every Thursday, weather permitting. Now, check this out. Pay attention. It's important. Next time we do it will be May 7th. May 7th is the next drive-through prayer. And instead of meeting at South Beach Church from 11 to 1, oh, this is important. It's the National Day of Prayer. The National Day of Prayer is this Thursday. And so we're gonna go next level. We're gonna meet at the South Beach Marina parking lot. That is right next to NOAA and the Hatfield Marine Science Center. We're gonna meet there in our cars and we're gonna park. And in some way, I'm not quite sure, it's not yet figured out, we're gonna communicate to you a mini teaching and a prayer for our nation and for our community and for this virus. And we're gonna pray at noon, 12 o'clock, May 7th, at the Hatfield Marine Science Center, dare I say, uh, at the South Beach Marina parking lot. We're gonna gather in our cars, maybe 20, maybe 50, maybe 100, maybe 1,000, maybe 10,000. No, I'm just getting crazy. But a bunch of people, as many as we can fit, and then we're gonna pray, might even be on the radio, and then we're gonna, the, there's gonna be some other people there, I can't tell you who right now, but then we're gonna leave there as one, and we're gonna drive, we're gonna pray. We're gonna go across our Yaquina Bay Bridge together. And we're gonna pray, the whole lot of us, we're gonna crowd the entire bridge and we're gonna pray. And then we're gonna drop down through the bayfront. We're gonna pray for our fishing industry and for the community and the fishing families and for the processing plants. And then we're gonna drive up and go by our new hospital. And we're gonna pray for our hospital. And then we're gonna drive by the businesses in town. And we're gonna pray blessings and provision on the small businesses. And then we're gonna drive by the schools. There's gonna be a prayer map. It might already be out right now. That's gonna show you the route. And I'm talking real fast because I'm really excited about it but this is happening next Thursday. If you can't make any of that or don't know what I just said, 
rewatch it and meet us there or pray where you're at, sheltering in place, or maybe you're at work and all the rest. Also, last but not least, before we get into a time of worship, I wanna encourage you guys to continue to pray with us through the New Testament in 2020. It's now May 3rd, it's a Sunday, May 3rd, and I went ahead and just downloaded and printed out the freshest prayer schedule ever. This is May, and here we are on May 3rd, and we're in Matthew 21. Now, I'm gonna talk about that in just a minute for just a minute. But here's the exciting part. I helped come up with this plan a little bit by finding it online and then borrowing it, it was free, and then gave it to Pastor Bo and he's organized it. But I, I don't know what comes next. I didn't memorize this book schedule. And so when I asked Pastor Bo what comes out after Matthew and he sent me a copy and I saw Romans, I got so excited. I don't know if you guys ever read Romans before. Man, Romans, you're gonna need a helmet and a face mask. You're gonna need a seatbelt. You're gonna need some coffee. You're gonna need some tea. You're gonna need everything. So, and to get into Romans right after the Gospels. We've already been through the Gospel of Mark and Book of Acts and the Book of James. and That's some fun stuff. So here's my point. Read with us. And if you're way behind, I had somebody message me or comment. They said, man, they spent like the last two weeks just catching up. Which, good job. But if you're so backwards that you're not caught up, listen, that you're not gonna read it all, don't do that, okay? Just get over it. This isn't a contest, this isn't, <laughs> there's no grades here. Just don't worry about what you missed. Start reading right now. And as a matter of fact, I'm just gonna confess, I, uh, in, in preparation for a teaching that airs on Sunday, and this is Thursday, I'm just being honest, I asked my daughter, she's eight years old, I said, hey honey, I need, I need to know what Matthew 21 says so I can say something smart about it. So I was setting up all the cameras and stuff, I said, Acacia, read to me Matthew 21. And she started reading Matthew 21. And when she was reading it, I thought to myself, man, she's eight, she picked the wrong book, she's reading upside down, it can't, that can't be the portion, you know, that's not what it is. And so I went over, looked over her shoulder, sure enough, Matthew 21. And here's my, I got excited, I was like, no, no way. Because this is one of my favorite portions of scripture. Matthew 21, as a matter of fact, it's so rad, we just studied it a couple weeks ago. It's the triumphal entry. It's where Jesus rides in on a donkey and he employs a couple of his disciples to go get the donkey and to set up the feast and to fulfill scripture. And it's the week before Jesus is put on the cross. Now here's the part that made me excited and why I got excited is because we just studied all this through Easter, Easter week and Passion Week and Good Friday and all that. And it's kind of like a few weeks behind, right? But now we're getting a chance to study it again. Because how much time spent with Jesus do you really need for it to settle in and sink in and make a difference? <laughs> it's kind of like eating. Uh, you need it as often as you are hungry. And so I wanna encourage you guys, read Matthew 21, the triumphal entry, all about Jesus and coming in and preparing to live his last week on earth before he would die and give himself a sacrifice for many. The amount of prophecies fulfilled in Matthew 21, 2,000 years ago, are staggering. And what it's gonna do for you and what it's gonna do for me is we study God's word and read it in light of what we're dealing with now. Anybody still dealing with real life? Raise your <laughs> Real life. So, it's real life. I don't care who you are, if you're still working or if you're unemployed or if you're employed and not working, that'd be nice. Whatever your case is, it's real life. And you gotta know who God is so you might know who you are. You gotta know what God does so you can understand what God's doing. And you gotta press in. 
the media and the distractions and the fears and all the pressures are real. It's really happening. And this is how God revives us. This word is how God stabilizes us. This word is how God feeds us. This word is how God heals us. The Bible says in Psalm 23 that God is able to restore your soul. And so if you have had some soul rot or some soul ache, get into God's word, steepen it deeply. We're gonna go to worship right now and we're gonna give ourselves over to God. And I would encourage you during this time, just, man, just let the Lord search your heart. Sing loud, I like to turn my music up, I raise my hands, I show my kids this and, the, and they, they sing with me. Or They're probably sitting right next to me on my right and left right now as I'm watching this again on Sunday. And I wanna encourage you to do the same. The heart of every issue is really an issue of your heart. That's all God wants, he doesn't want anything else. And so now is an opportunity to give him your heart. I'm gonna say a prayer and ask God to bless us during this time. Lord, in Jesus' name, we look to you once again. We thank you, God, that you are steadfast, immovable, immutable. That is, you don't change from the beginning to the end. There's no beginning with you. There's no end with you. You're so steadfast. And so in Jesus' name now, Lord, would you remind us of that? And would you change our hearts, change our vantage point and our view? Lord, meet us right where we're at. Maybe you're here before worship and you're bitter and you're, you're stressed and you're all bunched up. You're just, man, you're a mess. And you need the Lord just to meet you and to unpack you and untie you and untangle your heart. Lord, would you minister to the ones that are hurting so bad right now? Maybe you're doing great and this is just a, a pit stop in your race and you're just gonna get fuel and keep going. And Lord, would you meet those who are on mission right now and who are just killing it, slaying it. Lord, just bless them, fuel them and guide them and direct them. Lord, and for those who are watching right now and don't know they're messed up and don't know they're lost, would you right now begin to speak to people, draw them into your presence, and as we worship you, would you be honored and would we be blessed? We lift this time up to you, Lord. Search our hearts, soften us right now, knit us together. We pray all these prayers, Lord, for your glory and for others' good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Let's go to worship right now. This is 
everyone. I hope you connected with the Lord. I hope you sense his joy. I hope you sense his presence because as we understand that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, like it says in the book of Hebrews, then we can have peace in our hearts in the midst of the chaos because we just know that God is and that he also not just is because wouldn't that be enough? He is, but he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He wants you to respond to who he is. He wants you to respond to his isness and to get after it. When Moses was asked by God to go deliver the children of Israel, Moses said, well, who should I say sent me? He said, I am. Just tell him I am sent you. I am, I, I am, I is. And that was what Moses needed to be Moses, to do the impossible, to do the miraculous. Here's the deal. Right now, God is calling you, calling me, calling us to do more, to, to respond. But you gotta know who he is first. You gotta know how big God is and what God has done and what God is doing. That's why we study God's word today so we might have that encouragement and that strength. Eight weeks ago, when the staff gathered together and we prayed, Lord, speak to us. And I went outside the church. I've shared this many times, but I remind you because I remind myself, Lord, would you give me a word? And immediately the Lord spoke to me, lead, stand, be courageous. And I was like, yeah, let's get after it. Let's do some stuff. And then the Lord quickly, right after that said, rest, rest in me. Trust fully, understand who I am. And then right after that, the Lord said, and pray, pray. Enter into a new rhythm with me, a new understanding of me. Prayer in its simplest form is talking to God, just talking to him, praying. And I want to encourage you guys and gals that right now the Lord wants us to stand, be courageous, to rest in him, but to also pray and to enter into deeper rhythms with him for ourselves and for others around us. So I hope you connected with the Lord and I want to now ask you to take your Bibles and open up to Nehemiah chapter two. Nehemiah chapter two, there's Psalms and Proverbs. Those are kind of right in the middle of the Bible and to the left of your Psalms would be Job and to the left of Job would be Esther and to the left of Esther would be Nehemiah and to the left of Nehemiah would be Ezra and so on and so forth. Find Nehemiah chapter two. But while you're turning there, before we get into Nehemiah two, two announcements or three that I forgot to remind you of. We are also sending out, thanks to Pastor Marty, the PMN, the Pastor Marty newsletter. That goes out weekly. And so if you haven't given us your email address yet, please do so, southbeachchurch at gmail.com. We'll put you on our newsletter. Thank you, Pastor Marty, for doing that. Also, Pastor Bo oversees our Sunday school program. And a lot of the parents at home have your kids and it's on you now completely to lead your kids in the things of the Lord. So South Beach Church also emails out every single week material downloads and links for you to walk your kids through Bible programs. Thank you, Pastor Bo, for doing that. It's amazing. Also, Pastor Rory is reaching out to our youth groups every single week. There's a South Beach Church Facebook page and there's Instagram and he's putting out content every day. So make sure and email the church if you've got a youth group kid, middle or high school. Hey, I need to be connected to what's going on. Let us know. 
and we will connect you to all of those different ministries. So take your Bibles now and open up to Nehemiah 2. Let me just give a little backdrop here because every week so far I've been praying, Lord, where would you have me to teach out of? What would you have us to study? So I don't wanna just make stuff up and I'm willing to get back into Revelation chapter 16 and we will finish Revelation soon, okay? But right now as we're looking at our lives through this particular lens of duress and chaos and confusion, it's more imperative now in our lives than ever before that we look to the scriptures and how God has interacted with men and women throughout times of chaos, confusion, and difficulty. So we would know how he's acted to them, what he expected from them, and then now what God is doing in us and will do for us. And so here, check this out. Earlier this week, I had a message sent to me from Kerry Mitchell. He's one of my good friends, and he sent this scripture of the day, and it was Romans 15, 4. And when it got sent to me, I opened it up and I was looking at it and it just, man, it had all the feels because it's one of my favorite verses, I'm gonna be honest, that I hadn't thought about in a while. Romans 15, 4, I just hadn't thought about it. And as a matter of fact, my first thought was, I hadn't thought about that verse in a long time. I'm gonna read it to you, Romans 15, 4. It says, for whatever things were written before, were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And it's in my Bible, it's underlined, it's circled, it's marked, and it's highlighted. I Man, I can barely read it, there's so much extra stuff with it, because it's so special in this verse. And what the verse is saying is that the things that were written before, speaking primarily of the Old Testament, the promises, the stories, the covenant, those things were written for three reasons. I'll explain them to you quickly. They were written for our learning, and for our patience, and for our comfort. Why? So we might have hope. Today we're gonna to learn something. Every time you read the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, we learn something. And we find ourselves being walk, worked in patience and, and comfort of the scriptures that we might have hope. Because right now, man, I just want things to get better, don't you? And there's, by the way, two different sides in the political arena and the health arena right now. Those who don't think Corona's a big deal and they don't put masks on. It's a bunch of conspiracy. And it's just a flu. And there's people who have that opinion. That's, that's, and that's one camp. There's another camp that is saying, you know, don't open the stores. We got to ride this thing out and mask up and stay home, stay healthy. And, and, and there's, listen, we all want it to get better though. That's a commonality we share. We want it to get to better. Two, two different viewpoints of how to get there. The thing is though, what you and I need to do is to find patience of the scriptures that we might have comfort and hope. Because when you look at the stories that have happened already, history, we can see, oh, wow. Can you imagine going through that? Wow, can you imagine having that situation? And while this situation is dire and dark and complex, I'm just gonna be honest, there have been other situations historically more dire than this, more complex than this, more difficult than this. And we study those portions of scripture to understand our God. So take your Bible now. And when, I, when, when Carrie sent that to me, thank you, Carrie, for all the scriptures I get every week, man, they encourage me so much as, as Carrie himself is even battling health issues still continuing to give out and to serve. I love you, Carrie, thank you for that. And, and so as, as that confirmation was given to me, I thought to myself, Nehemiah, Nehemiah. 
and I began to read Nehemiah. And the thing about Nehemiah, put my notes down over here. Nehemiah, Nehemiah. I named my second born son Nehemiah. Nehemiah Lucas. We call him Nemo because I can't spell Nehemiah, neither can he. I'm just kidding. Nemo, we call him Nehemiah. Nehemiah Nehemiah means comfort of the Lord. And I want to just give you just a quick couple thoughts because Nehemiah is an Old Testament portion of scripture. It's history. It actually happened. But it's a picture of things that God is doing right now in your life and in my life. You see, Nehemiah comes after Ezra. You can go ahead and check that out, Ezra. And the book of Ezra happened chronologically before Nehemiah, quickly now. Ezra speaks of the rebirth of the soul. When a person is regenerated, when your spirit is reborn, Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the things of God, the kingdom of God. And Ezra speaks of a time when the children of Israel were delivered from Babylon and released home. And Ezra with his troop went back to Jerusalem and they rebuilt, listen, the temple, the place of worship, the place of intimacy with the Lord. It speaks of rebirth and renewal and regeneration. But Ezra comes to an end, the book ends. And Nehemiah begins. And in the interim bef- between Ezra and Nehemiah, something is left out. The temple is there. The foundation, the temple is laid. It's so legit. But Jerusalem is missing something. You who have studied the scriptures know. Jerusalem had been destroyed previously to this rebirth. And the walls surrounding Jerusalem had been tore down. And they were still down at this point. And Nehemiah comes on the scene. And Nehemiah, you know his story. If you haven't yet read it, spend some time reading it. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah is so powerful. Back in the year 2000, right around August, is when I became a Bible teacher. And it's when I taught the scriptures for the first time. And when I taught the scriptures, I taught through a book. And you know what book I taught through? Nehemiah. First book I ever taught through. And when I moved to Ash or Newport in 2010, We did a few topical teachings and then we went through a book. The very first book study that we ever did at South Beach Church was through Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, unlike Ezra, Ezra speaks of the rebirth process. Very, very important. If you're not born again yet, (laughs) start there. But Nehemiah comes along. And after being born again, Nehemiah speaks spiritually. It's a historical book. It's true. It's accurate. It happened. But it speaks of the necessity after you're born again to then not just be rebirth, listen, but to rebuild, to build, to stand up, to walk forward, to move on, to rebuild your life from the outside in, from the inside out, all around, to build. Philippians chapter 2, right around verse 12, says, Now that you've been saved, okay, you're saved. Therefore, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now that you're born again, what are you doing? You're working, you're building, you're going through stuff. And we learn great principles in the book of Nehemiah about the building process of our lives. Now that you're saved, and let me clarify my particular theological stance, I believe that once you're saved, born again, you're always saved. Because it wasn't you who saved you, it was Christ who saved you. And Christ doesn't unsave people. He doesn't lose. It was the Spirit who birthed you, and the Spirit's not going to abort you, okay? Jesus said that no one is able to pluck anyone from his Father's hands, not even yourself. And so you're saved. But if you're like me, you're saved. (laughs) Whoa, glorious day. 
But you still got some building to do, do you not? You still have some issues that need to be worked on, some things. As a matter of fact, let me just talk to some of you seasoned Christians. Are you surprised, frustrated, maybe a better word, at decades and decades and decades of living with Jesus, and yet there's still more work to be done? <laughs> Isn't this crazy? I'm just gonna be honest. I was talking to Jen Metcalf and her family today. They came through prayer. And, and I said, you know what I like? I like being the teacher. I don't like being the student. I don't like to learn anything. And just earlier that morning, I learned something. And when you're the student, man, it means a few things. Number one, you don't know what's going on. Number two, it might be hard. And I was a student this morning. I learned some things about myself, about character, and I had to process that. And let me encourage you who've been a Christian for a year or 10 or 20 or 30, okay? If you got a pulse, there it is, not bad. That means you got a purpose, but you also aren't done yet. God's working on you. He's still building. He's building right now. That's encouragement. Right now, if you feel like there's a renovation project going and there's dust everywhere and dirt and chaos, okay? Eh, sounds like life. Earlier today, I was at the church and they're tearing down the old flashbacks building. And it was chaos, noisy and dusty, and, and it's, it's not, not a fun project, but there's a purpose involved. As a matter of fact, for us, we're gonna benefit with more parking and 101 frontage now at this point. It's gonna be good for us. So right now, if you're going through something, you just, ah, you're a student, can I encourage you? God's building you, and he wants to give you some principles out of the book of Nehemiah. So I'm gonna say a quick prayer now, and we're gonna spend just a few minutes, that's a total lie, we're gonna spend been a half hour, in God's word together. Father, in Jesus' name, would you bless us now as we look to your word, the map, Lord, the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth, and would you give us, Lord, that perspective that you're doing stuff, not just around us, and that's cool, I believe you, but you're doing stuff in us. So, Lord, would it be good students today? Would you have your way in us? I pray for help in teaching this and delivering this message, and I pray for help, Lord, in listening to this and receiving this message. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen and amen. Check this out, I'm gonna begin in verse two and just kind of fill in the blanks. I said chapter two, not verse two, you heard me wrong, check this out. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and I gave it to the king, now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad since you're not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. Stop right there, just a few thoughts. Nehemiah is a Jew born in Babylon, in captivity, never having been to Jerusalem, now serving the king, King Artaxerxes. And he got a good government job. He became the king's cupbearer. The king's cupbearer, we all know, would be the man who would drink the king's beverage, eat the king's food beforehand, before the king did, to see if he would die, if it was poisoned. And if it wasn't poisonous, man, the king would eat it too. Now, here's the deal. It was more than that, though. Because you see, the king's cupbearer would be with the king all the time. It would actually become the king's best friend, his compadre, his, his, his friend that he would commune with. And so Nehemiah had this position with the king. And yet there was a rule with the king. I kind of like this rule. But the, the rule is, is you never were sad around the king. Hey, king, you know, always happy because the king don't got time for no sadness. And it was actually a federal offense. If you were sad around the king, they could cut your head off. So here's Nehemiah one day, and he rolls in, gives the king his wine, 
when Nehemiah is bummed. Now, if you've read chapter one, which you should do later, previously, Nehemiah had learned from one of his brothers that Jerusalem, 900 miles away, wasn't in a good condition. The city still lied in waste. That is, there was no wall around the city. The people were threatened by their enemies and there was a real problem. Now, let me just make sure and fill this in real quick. Did you know that that real problem wasn't new? Super old. The walls had been torn down and left down for over a hundred years. That's a long time. There are problems in our society that have just been that way all the time. It's always been this way. There's always been homeless people. There's always been widows. There's always been divorces. There's always been sickness. There's always been dropouts. There's always been jails. There's always been, okay? And because of that, because it's true, there's always been those things. Because of that, we can get ourselves into a position where we just don't care. Don't care. It's always been that way, hasn't it? You see, God gave Nehemiah, listen, new eyes, new vision for an old problem. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. So he gave him new vision for an old problem. And I pray in Jesus' name that God would give us, men and women like Nehemiah then, who are saved but are being rebuilt and rebuilding new vision for old problems. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your parenting. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. It's always been this way. It's always been this way. And you would wake up tomorrow, you would receive right now new vision and say, let's, let's do something. You know what though? This birth within Nehemiah, not excitement, sorrow. He was sad at first. And let me just say this. Some of the greatest movements that God creates in men and women begin with sorrow, sorrow of heart. That is a time in our life where we have to check in and let him search our hearts. And right now, maybe you're like me and there's things that are frustrating you. And that could be, maybe it is God getting your attention. Because you see, if every day that you live, you're just happy and sappy and clappy, you might not give God your full attention. Well, check this out. He's sad, shows up to work one day. The king likes him enough, respects him enough to say, what's up, bro? What's going on with you? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. It says in verse two, so I became dreadfully afraid. And I said to the king, may the king live forever. (laughs) That's the right thing to say, by the way, when the king's asking you what's wrong with you. This was a political statement back then. May the king live forever. It's the right thing to do. And let me just make a pragmatic application. When you're sad, when God's doing something new in your life, the usual right next step is just that, the right next step. It's that simple. Sometimes we get all bogged down with what's the big blueprint and where's this really going? Just do the next right thing. Nehemiah instantly says, may the king live forever. And the Bible says that he was dreadfully afraid. I thought about that. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between me and the characters. I think, man, these guys are superheroes and these guys are, man, that was a different time and I'm just a knucklehead. And let me just, most of what I do, I try and do to be perceived as courageous, brave, strong, able. And I do that because I want people to be encouraged. I want people to, I want the sheep to be comforted. But if I'm gonna be honest, everything I do, okay, I'm dreadfully and fearfully afraid. Everything, everything. I get called to go to conferences or even Sunday services or confrontations with people or counseling. Man, I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. And I just wanna say that, I wanna share that with you because Nehemiah was afraid. David was afraid. Moses was afraid. I'm afraid. 
Even Jesus prayed to his father all the time to gain courage and strength in the midst of battle. So here's what people do, is they use fear as an excuse. Well, Pastor Luke, man, he's just, he's so good at what he does. Of course, he's gonna keep slaying. Look at, you know, and I'm sure I couldn't do, I could never do that. I could never, I could never, you know, you ever hear that? I could never do that. Courage isn't the absence of fear, okay? Courage is deciding to do what God has called you to do in the presence of fear. It's the choice to do what you gotta do regardless of the fear. Nehemiah is afraid though. And if you're afraid right now, okay, what are you gonna do? The next right thing. Look at verse three. And I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Well, then the king said to me, what do you request? Stop right there, eyes up here. He shares now with the king the state of his people. This is 900 miles away. Nehemiah's never even been there. I, I just want to underscore. This particular burden that Nehemiah received was just that. It was a gift from God to him that wasn't previously there, but God placed. And I pray in Jesus' name that the Lord would begin to place burdens on our hearts for the men and women in Newport, for the church, that you wouldn't just look to me or Pastor Bo or Pastor Ryan or Marty or Rory or, or Esai or, or Adam or, or the team. You wouldn't just look to us and say, oh, my pastors do stuff, but you would start to receive burdens from the Lord. And it might make you sad at first. Man, what am I gonna do? It might make you scared at first, it should. All these high school kids, and homeless people, people locked up in jails, people in hospitals, people who need mentoring. I can't do all, can't really? Maybe the Lord would give you a burden. Nehemiah is just a normal dude working a job. He's just a, a guy who loves God and wants to love people. And God began to stir him up. And I really believe if I'm gonna zoom out on the coronavirus pandemic and the fruit that is coming from it, is that God is taking the church and he said, hey guys, I, I see what you're doing, man, that's so cool. And I'm gonna rip the rug off from under you. And I, I, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm gonna flip the tables over. And now there's people all over the place and the church is scattered. And God's gonna allow you and me, the church, to receive burdens for people and to walk even in the face of fear and do things we've never done before. The body of Christ, acting like Christ, even as he was sent. So now we are sent in his stead. Well, Nehemiah begins to explain all this is happening. Now look at this. The question was asked to Nehemiah. The king said, verse four, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I've got that circled, underlined, noted, because he gives this answer right away in verse five. We don't know how much time he took to pray. He doesn't say. He says he prayed. Okay, maybe it was the time where he sat there and he prayed. The Bible says in chapter one that he spent weeks praying and fasting for his people. He laid a foundation of prayer. And I want you who are Bible students and taking this seriously to pray through, or should I say, read through all of Nehemiah. I think there's 13 chapters. Read through and note and write down, listen, the prayers of Nehemiah. Because you see, Nehemiah was being called by God to be used by God, but he was going to be empowered by God through the prayer and through the person of God as God called Nehemiah. It wasn't because Nehemiah knew what he was doing. Nehemiah knew he didn't know what he was doing. And so what did Nehemiah do? He prayed. And can I just encourage you to pray to be a better dad, a better mom, a better 
wife, a better parent? Pray, ask the Lord. Then he said to me, verse four, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. <laughs> Let me just read the next verse. Then the king said to, said to me, the queen also sitting next to him, how long will your journey be and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. Man, things escalated quickly. Let me just bring you up to speed though. Here's Nemo, right? King Nemo, he's cupbearer to the king, Nehemiah. And he gets a burden. He's just a cupbearer. He's, he grew up in privilege. He doesn't know anything. He's not a, he's not a leader. He's, he's not an explorer. He, he's not a builder. Okay, he's, he's not a soldier. He's none of these things. And the king says, what do you want to do about it? He's like, I was thinking maybe you could send me to Jerusalem real quick like, and I was going to build that wall up. No big deal. What'd you say, Nemo? I was gonna go build a wall. <laughs> this is crazy. Nehemiah, you're not a builder, dude. Like, you're nobody. You grew up in privilege. You don't know nothing. Here's the good news, okay? God doesn't call, listen, the qualified. He qualifies the called. He'll call you. You're not qualified. You can't do anything. Never done that before. Never led worship before. You never taught a Bible study before. You never were a witness before. You never went evangelizing. You never went on a mission trip. You, you never prayed for anybody before. Nobody, none of us have at first. And then the Lord calls you to do it. He calls you to do it. And he doesn't call the qualified because there are no qualified people. Instead, he calls you and he gives you the king's stamp. Nehemiah said, hey, king, can, can, you, can you send me? If you send me, it'll work. I'll set a time, I'll go, in, it'll be your, it's kind of like your project. I'll, I'll go in your name. And here's the deal, God has sent us. We are ambassadors. He's called us to be his hands and feet, to be the ones that God wants to use, that God is going to send. And I'm just, I remember my first Bible study. I remember the first time praying out loud. I remember the first time sharing my testimony. I remember the first time being asked to serve communion at the Ashton Christian Fellowship. I remember the first time I was asked to be an usher. I remember the first mission trip. I remember, the, I remember it, I remember it, because I wasn't qualified, wasn't ready. I remember one time a good friend of mine, James Juarez, Dr. James, he called me and he was with some friends at a river and I could sense where the conversation was going. One of the particular people he was with wanted to get baptized and it was time and it was there with his mom and it was him and a couple others and I said, James, on the phone, you baptize him. And I knew it was the first person that James had ever baptized. And James was a spiritual man. He loves Jesus and he loves people. And, and yet he needed somebody to tell him, hey, do it. Baptize him. Baptize him. Because a lot of people wonder, well, I'll just, I can't baptize anybody. I'll get in trouble. The Pope's going to come and slap me or something. You know, listen, God calls people and he qualifies them through his call, his credential. And here's my point where, as I feel the Lord led me to Nehemiah, is Nehemiah is just a dude, not a builder, not a leader, not an explorer. He doesn't know nothing. And that's who Jesus calls to his side. The greatest ability, we learned this last week, in Christianity, the greatest ability is availability. That you would avail yourself to God, to be part of his team, to go with him wherever he sends you. 
And can I just encourage you? When we get back to being able to actually do stuff, because this is such a hard time to preach motivational messages like, get out there and do nothing, <laughs> you know, because we're on corona. I get it. Listen, when we can get back to normal, I want you to volunteer for as many things as you can. I am not messing with you. I want you and your family to volunteer in our town for as many things as you can until the day you die. Because God forbid you get to heaven and you stand there before the Lord on judgment day and he asks you what you did with your life and you say, oh, let me tell you about Pastor Luke in South Beach Church. Man, they were doing stuff. No, no, I didn't ask about them. Luke will have his turn. What did you do? I went to church. Oh, cool, cool, cool. What was going on at church? Oh, they were doing stuff. No. I'm serious, guys. Pray. Pray. What's the Lord doing right now? We're not allowed to go to church. Okay, why not? Because I think maybe the Lord wants to rework our thinking in that going to church isn't the same as being the church. It's real close. Okay, don't, get, don't, don't misunderstand me. Going to church, hearing a message, participating in worship is not the same as being the church. And I do believe that the Lord wants to wake us up, shake us up, in order to make us up because he's gonna take us up. This is the rebuilding time. I'm already born again. Hopefully you are too. In Jesus' name, that ain't gonna change. But I wanna work out my salvation with fear and trembling. He just volunteered to go. He volunteered. There are places in our own town where you can volunteer and help out. And you go to Samaritan House and talk to Lola Jones. Hey, you guys need any help? Landscape, what do you need? You need anything? You can get a hold of Marissa Hainer. Safe Families for Children, you guys need anything? Man, YOLO, only live once, I wanna help out. You can get a hold of Tracy Goff and go help out at Grace Winds Haven. You guys need some help here with the shelter and homeless people? Man, you can go to the jail and volunteer there, Dennis Bookmaster, and you can help out and do CR on the inside and there's ways you can help out. You can go talk to Carlos and Slavic at Diamonds in the Rough and help out. There's places you can reach out. There's places to volunteer in soup kitchens. You can talk to Pastor Bo when we're back and you can do Sunday school work or you can talk to Rory and do youth group or Adam and do Celebrate Recovery. There's so many ways to work out. And I just wanna encourage you guys. What does the Lord want? Maybe it's at the high school. Maybe it's through the help program. Call, get a hold of Katie Townsend. Get a hold of somebody. Maybe you coach. Every year I, <laughs> I coach. I coach. I coach soccer. I, I coach in the past, I've coached wrestling, I've coached. And every time that I get an opportunity to coach, man, okay, I don't wanna do it. Cause I'd much rather just stay home, but I coach. And every time I do it, ah, oh, so blessed. I think of Diane Baker, she teaches our Sunday school class every single Sunday. And I was texting with her earlier this week or last week and, and I know something, I know it's a burden and it's difficult and you gotta sacrifice. But I also know that there's a huge blessing. Volunteer, help out, give back. I'm so encouraged by Nemo right here, man. Just I'll do, I'll do it. Oh, and by the way, let me just back, let me just make sure you understand this. He's volunteering to go build a wall that no one has been able to build for over a hundred years. No one's been able to or wanting to, and he's, I'll go build it. Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. 
as I was putting this together and contemplating this, there are some projects on my mind, some things that need to be done, and God's called me to be a part of those things. In my flesh, Luke Frechette, eh, 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 I don't really want to do it, okay? My flesh, eh, just let somebody else do it. Or I read Nehemiah and ask myself, what are you going to do with your life, Luke? What are you going to rebuild? What are you going to get after? Well, I'm already saved. I'm saved. I can't, can't add to my salvation. can't take away from my salvation. I'm good to go. <laughs> All right. Sound to rebuild. Check this out, though. I want you guys to see this. We're going to read it. I actually plan on doing chapters two and three today, evidently. It ain't going to happen. But maybe we'll do chapter three next week because there's some real cool things in chapter three. Let's go ahead and finish a few more verses here today, though. May I, I want to rebuild. Then the king said to me, and when will you be back? Verse seven. Furthermore, Nehemiah. I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. <laughs> he said, I'm gonna need some passports for this boss. I can't just be traveling around, you know, during quarantine. I gotta, I gotta get permission. So he asked for permission. He asked for passports. This is so cool. And verse eight, a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house which I will occupy. <laughs> and the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Stop right there, eyes up here. I need passports and I need provision. He asked for the king's credit card. Did you hear that? Lord, I need your credit card too so I can go to Home Depot and give it to Asaph. He works at Home Depot. And I need all the timber and lumber he has so I can build the temple, so I can build the walls. Listen, and so I can build myself a house. <laughs> Nehemiah, I gotta live there, man. I'm gonna be there. And the king's looking at Nehemiah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, all right. You want permission. That is, you want a passport and you want provision. You want my credit card. All right, sounds good. Come again, sounds good. Anything else? And, and Nemo accredits this, listen, to the good hand of my God upon me. Guys, it's so cliche, but I'm gonna say it anyways. If it's God's will, he's gonna pay the bill, okay? Where God guides, God provides. It's so true. If the Lord is in it, and God was putting this burden on Nehemiah's heart, and now as Nehemiah began to test the waters to see if it was indeed firm, God was going ahead of him, and the provision and the permission was already there. I wanna encourage you guys and gals. Man, it's so fun to be a Christian. It is so fun to be a Christian because we have God's word. God has shown us already what he's done. He's given to us a spirit, and now he's going to continue to do what he'll have to do in order to build his kingdom. Guys, don't be afraid. Right now we're looking for land at the church. You guys know that and they just tore down flashbacks today and Nespresso will go down next and, and our church will be torn down in the next year or a little longer. We're not quite sure. We're looking for land. You know what though? God's gonna show us. Right now he's given to us permission to be there. The city of Newport likes us. We like them. We love our town and, and they just, you know, we're okay, we're okay. And when we do move, God's gonna show us and people wanna know and I wanna know too, Lord, anytime. But I don't worry about it. Because man, worry's not gonna do anything. God's given to us. And if you are called by God, he's gonna qualify you. He's gonna show you, he's gonna teach you. Doesn't mean you're not gonna be afraid. You will be afraid. You'll be afraid of that life group coming over to your house. You know, life group coming over. You know, hey, 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 hey. Do it for Jesus. Well, I don't know if I can do it. You know, the Lord is gonna guide, he's gonna provide. 
He's gonna lead you. Check this out, verse nine. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and I gave the king's letters. Listen, now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Stop right there. Not only does he have permission, not only does he have provision, listen, he has protection. This king went next level and said, well, I'm gonna send you some, some army guys too. I'll send, I'll send some soldiers with you that no thing formed against you should prosper. That that way what you begin, you'd finish. That way nothing could separate you from the mission. And I want you who right now are the church, you're watching, to know that God has given you permission to be his ambassadors. He's given to you provision, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love and peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, meekness, and self-control. There is no law. What that means is, is that there's no limit. You ever had a credit card with a $500 limit? It's not that hard to max it out. The Bible says of God's provision of the fruit of the Spirit, there is no max limit. What do you need right now? Your wife, your, your, your husband, your kids, your neighbors, your friends, your family, sons and daughters, the people around you, they need the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Ah, I don't have enough of that. I'm, I tried. Yeah, I'm already in debt. Listen. <sighs> Love people. Humble yourself. Be a student. Reach out. Wash people's feet. Do what Jesus did. As he was sent, he's sent us as well. Nehemiah had provision. Nehemiah had permission, and he also had protection. And I want to maybe end with that thought. Because the more and more I think about it, the more and more I live, as cool as that is, look at verse 10. And when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, they heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. I love that that's included in the story. Because it's not a fairy tale. See, a fairy tale would have different variables. This one says that there is indeed an enemy. There is indeed resistance. Sanblat and Tobiah. We're going to see in the portions at the end of this chapter, verse 19, that more people are added to that group. Geshem shows up and some other Arab nations against Nehemiah. Because he's there to do God's work. And I want to speak to that quickly. And then we're going to end in the reality that when you step out to do God's work, the enemy's gonna push back every single time. It's never not gonna happen. And you gotta get used to that. And you gotta understand that because if you don't like that or you're not aware of that, then you might not do what God has called you to do. God's given you a permission. He's given you a provision. He will give you protection as well. I share the story often in preaching especially that when King David got to the battlefield, he saw the giant and he was not afraid. As a matter of fact, he wanted to know who gets the privilege of taking that giant out. And his brothers looked at him and said, have you not noticed the size of this giant? This Philistine has been taunting us for days. And David looked around and said, yeah, but a couple things come to my mind. Number one, this Philistine giant, he hates God. He's on the wrong team. He's destined to lose. David had faith, he said, you're on the wrong team, man. There's no way you can come against God. And then David said, secondarily, I know that my God will defend me because he already has. He's delivered me from the lion, from the bear. I've already seen conflict in the wild. So because I know God is gonna protect me, 
and that God is gonna promote himself. I'm not afraid of what is before me. And I wanna encourage y'all and myself that what God has begun, he will finish. That what God is doing cannot be stopped. We see this repeated over and over in the scriptures. And as we study the life of Nehemiah, we see that it's not without conflict. It's not without fear. But Nehemiah keeps going forward. And I believe the Lord is radically shaking up and shuffling the church right now. And he wants men and women to rise up. Family devotions. Leadership within your own community. Leadership within your own mind. Leadership within the influence that God's given to you. Rising up, being the church. Guys, let's just read a few more verses. I I know we're out of time here, but it says, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Can you imagine this trip? By the way, you don't even hear about the trip. Stopping at the Ramada on the way, no vacancy, Motel 6, swimming pools closed. Can you imagine traveling from Babylon all the way to Jerusalem, like on horseback? That would have been nar-nar. Doesn't include any of that. It's like, I got to Jerusalem. Really? Was it crazy? Don't worry about it. Okay, okay. He gets to Jerusalem and he's there for three days and he checks the scene, verse 12. Then I arose in the night. I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by the night through the valley gate to the serpent well and to the refuse gate. And I viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates, which were burned with fire. And I went down to the fountain gate, to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and I viewed the wall. And then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, stop right there, eyes up here, just a quick principle, tuck it away. Nehemiah kept this to himself until the right time. There's wisdom in this. Guys, gals, moms, dads, as the Lord puts vision on your heart and ideas and conviction, okay, don't just blabber it all out in the first couple seconds. Timing is very important and the Lord will show you the way to move forward in ministries and endeavors, relationships. Nehemiah models this for us. And now when it's time, verse 17, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. (laughs) Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Stop right there. Isaac, can you imagine you guys are like, what? Broski, it's been this way forever, ski man, ski. Like, what are you talking about? Nehemiah shows up, he's there for three days. He's like, all right, just settle down, sit down. No, sit down, he's gonna need to sit down for this one. Let's rebuild those walls. Now, he he goes on to explain why he would even say something preposterous like this. Verse 18, and I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. And so they said, let us rise up and build. And then they set their hands to do this good work. Stop right there, eyes up here. The first guy that came to drive through Perry this morning, Stanley. <sighs> Man, he encouraged me so much. He, he drove up, he was there early, he was like 10 He's like, am I early? I'm like, yep, let's pray. And he began to talk. And, and, I, and I learned so much, just in the conversation, about what the Lord is doing in my life. 
and it reminded me of the teaching here. Here Nehemiah shows up, he's got the king's credit card, he's got the king's money, he's ready to go. You know what though? He can't do it all. He build a wall, what are you talking about? This guy's a cupbearer, man, this guy's he's good at one thing. You know what he does? He employs and then deploys everybody to do the work. This is what's exciting about what I believe God is doing in the church today is, I'll say it this way, real Christians, the Christians, the church, God is going to start calling you and me, okay, individually, separately, to work collectively on the rebuilding of our world, the rebuilding of the kingdom of God on earth, what we do here. I can't do it all. Our staff can't do it all, as much as we would like to and as much as maybe you think we do. But instead, Nehemiah says, guys, I'm gonna rebuild the wall and y'all gonna help me. And if you don't know the rest of the story, we're gonna study maybe chapter three next week. The Bible says that the men and women, husbands and wives and kids, they all grabbed a trowel, okay, a, a tool in one hand, and they grabbed a sword in the other hand, and they would work doing mason work and stone work. And in their other hand, they had a sword because the enemy would keep coming after them. Every chapter, the enemy shows up in some sort of confronting way. And it wasn't just Nehemiah. And I believe when I get to heaven, Luke Frechette, God's gonna ask me, this is between me and the Lord, he's gonna ask me what I did with my time. But then he's gonna ask me a different question because I'm a leader, I'm a, I'm a Bible teacher. He's gonna ask me, Luke, what did you tell my church? What did you, what, how did you equip them? The ministries, the offices of the ministries of the church exist so, so people can do work. I do not want you guys to miss this. He, he asks them, guys, let's get after it. It's time to volunteer. It's time to do stuff, be the church. And the Lord's gonna show you exactly what that looks like. It's not gonna be without conflict. As a matter of fact, it says in verse 19, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? Will you rebel against the Lord? So I answered them. The king, I should say, will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. Listen, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Dang. Nemo, the king's cupbearer. He gets some pushback, man. Some haters show up. I don't know about you, but I got pushback in my own mind. I got haters in my mind. I got a co committee up here, a committee of quitters. <laughs> and Nehemiah says, look, 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 look. It's gonna happen. God's gonna do it. And then he went on to warn them. It's going to happen, God's going to do it, but you, you'll have no part in it. And in closing and in my final encouragement to y'all, Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church, okay? Matthew chapter 16. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I'm gonna go away and I'm gonna build my dad's house and I'm gonna come back and get you. And if it weren't so, I would have told you so. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is coming again soon. The signs are pointing to his return. The signs are pointing to the reality of the kingdom of God. Do not sleep through this. Do not miss it. If you do, you will have no part and no portion in the kingdom of God. That's what he said. It's gonna happen. It's going to happen. I'm bankrupt. I'm broke. I've got nothing. There is no limit 
no max to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Call upon the Lord. Nehemiah prayed. Lord, what do you want me to do? Have you been praying about your life? Have you been praying how to love the people around you? Or have you just been trying to put it on a credit card? Guys, the Lord wants to take you deeper, wants to do more. He wants to take your life right where it's at. It's not about you. It's not about Nehemiah. It's about the good hand of our Lord upon us. I'm gonna ask you guys to pray right now, and we're gonna commit our lives to Jesus once again. Father, in Jesus' name, would you have your way? Lord, would you be kind to us and merciful? We surrender to you and submit our lives to your kingdom. Lord, would you be merciful and forgive us of our sins? And maybe you're watching or listening right now and you would say, Lord, I wanna participate. I wanna volunteer. I don't know how to do nothing, but I'll volunteer. The Lord calls and then he qualifies. Lord, would you call us? Even right now, if you're here and you just wanna do something, when quarantine's over and when we can volunteer, Lord, would you put that upon our hearts? Lord, we don't wanna be, as you said, distracted by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Forgive us, forgive me, Lord, or even the sinfulness of our hearts. Lord, would you wake us up and call us to your ministry? And if you're watching online, I wanna give you an opportunity to get saved, to give your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe the Lord's right now, he's just doing work. Right now, would you just give your life to Jesus? Right now, just say, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live for you until I die and take me to heaven, Lord, when I die. In Jesus' name, Lord, I believe in you that your death, burial, resurrection was enough for my sins and you will be saved. It's that simple because, listen, the work has already been done. Believe it. Believe it. Lord, would you have your way in our lives? Take care of us, Lord, body, mind, spirit. We pray for the coronavirus to end soon, Lord, for government officials to have wisdom and for you to lead us and guide us. We do need you, Jesus. So whatever you wanna do, do it, Lord, we pray. Use us in the process. In Jesus' name, we ask. And everybody said, amen and amen. Hey, listen, if you need prayer, southbeachchurch at gmail.com, or maybe if you're listening or watching online on YouTube or Facebook, just type in there. Man, I, I just got saved. Let us know. Let us know. Emails at southbeachchurch at gmail.com. As a matter of fact, if you just got saved or have given your life to Jesus and you email us, we will send you a Bible in the mail. Okay, we will, we'll, we'll contact you via phone. We'll pray for you and walk you through the first steps of your new salvation. We wanna take this seriously. So reach out to us so we know what's going on in your life. Other than that, check out our website, southbeachchurch.org. All the information's on there for giving and all the rest of the things. Guys, we love you very much. God bless you. Make sure and share this video. Comment below. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and don't give up ground but take ground and we will see you on the other side god bless you i miss you we'll see you soon